This is JFM Podcast. Very good evening to you and welcome to the program Nigeria at Sunset on J101.9 here in Jaws. My name is Paul Sackfan. It's a beautiful Friday evening, 11th of August 2023. Gilbert Joseph is here. Good evening. How's your day? Good evening, Paul Sack. I've had a good day. Um, I, I don't know, but fact is we've had to share a good number of days together in the month of August, especially in the office. Mm. So today is, is quite one we can relate to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, today is a good day. I mean, well, uh, Yilwa, what stories have kept you busy all through today? Yeah, um, it's, it has to certainly be Nigeria Republic. And of course, the reported withdrawal of governor, former Governor Nasri El Rufai from the whole ministerial process, you know, the back and forth. And um, from reports, from what we hear and from what we understand, the man has decided to just take a step back. And I think if he had kept his promise, you know, of pushing forward a younger person, as according earlier. to, yes, as, you know, as earlier advanced by him, perhaps we wouldn't have been, have been here, but it's quite unfortunate. And one of the questions I probed was, would we ever see a governor Nasri El Rufai contesting for the presidency? Or maybe not. You know, I was just trying to get my head around his political career. If actually that report ends up being confirmed um so i've had to chew this issue and Nigeria republic again it's going to continue continually be in the news yeah well uh the interesting thing is that well let's commiserate with the people of Hepang over the uh massacre of people you know in their sleep 21 persons have been reported to have been killed unjustly I would say. Mm-hmm. And this is despite the fact that uh, there's Operation Hakorin Damisa in Mangu local government. So it kind of cover, you know, all of that uh, pressing. But you see how uh, daring, you know, these uh, uh, murderers are. But I know that they'll soon meet their Waterloo uh, very, very soon. Uh, very, very soon. Uh, and so uh, I'm, when I read the news, I'm just concerned. How can we response time be shortened so that the uh, military, you, you know, will immediately mobilize and go there if in the event that there's an attack, you know, the military can go there and just, you know, deal with uh, the situation. Uh, yes, and even arrest the killers, for example. And the issue of Nigeria Republic, uh, Gilbert, yesterday I was so happy when I uh, watched the news, the Emir, former Emir of Kano, that is uh, uh, Sanusi Lamido uh, II. Yesterday, or days back, he visited Nigeria Republic, and he said that it was not at the instance mm-hmm. of the government. You know, so he said, initiative. "Yeah, he was personal initiative." He used, you know, some of the uh, friends he has, you know, in Nigeria Republic, and he met with the junta. And of course, you know, the seven northwestern governors are saying that please, there shouldn't be war. But yesterday, after the extraordinary summit of Equas and head of state, and of course, they are. Chief of Defense Staff, you know, uh, Army Chief. They all, after, you know, the closed-door session, they came out with a communique to say they are mobilizing forces to the boundary of our Niger Republic. And this will call to question um, whether or not we've exhausted diplomacy 
or finding a political solution. You look at even Khan and some uh, Islamic organizations are saying that no, using force is not the best answer, you know, to this problem at this point in time. But I don't know why they opted for using a force, you know, for example. Uh, and the Wagner Group, of course, you know, from Russia are there. Uh, and uh, President Vladimir Putin visited Burkina Faso, met with the junta, and they're very happy, you know, to receive him. And, of course, you know, much of Francophone Africa right now are showing strong support for what's going on in the Niger Republic, and they're even making statements to like, you know, a liberation. When I read some of the statement, I just imagine what happened when most of African uh, countries gained independence in the late 50s, 60s, and of course, 70s. Yeah, but I have two things from my end here. And one has to do with the fact that if we have people that the junta listens to, for example, Sanusi Lamido Sanusi, like you mentioned, mm. if perhaps there are certain individuals they don't feel comfortable having this conversation with, why can't these authorities capitalize on the goodwill that the likes of Sanusi are enjoying from the junta and the friends that he has there, you know, to be able to expand the horizon in talking about how to find a common ground for agreement? Mm. And then, you know, secondly, it's to the effect that um, one of the officials of ECOWAS came out to just tell the whole world that, look, they aren't going there, they aren't invading the Niger Republic to, to pursue carry out a war or a, a form of invasion like we see in Ukraine, mm. you know. But that what they're after solely is to get in there, deal with those military guys, mm. and then rescue President Mohamed Bazoum. Now, how can you attain such a feat without having, you know, to see a, a sort of revolt from the people that are sympathetic to the military guys out there. So this is going to prove to be a really technical affair, a really tough process to execute. And I'm wondering, I mean, and according to them, they said it's a standby force. Yeah. I was beginning to wonder if Echo has... What does Do you get? Do you get? So <laughs> it's quite going to be interesting at the end of the day to see how people handle this. But I think, like you rightly pointed out, there is no need for the rush, except there is an ulterior motive. These guys can be listened to. Very true. Uh, of course, you know that in the 36 state of uh, the Federation, the military is actively uh, having operations in more than 30 states. For example, that's one. We're still fighting Boko Haram. Uh, internally, we still have bandits. bandits. And the strength of our you know, armed forces, last time I checked, was 200 and uh, about 300,000. That is just soldiers that we yeah. have. Infantry. The Nigerian yes. army, mm -hmm. yeah. And not all of them will be mobilized, you know, to uh, go to war. So I think that we should rethink, you know, uh, some of these things. I don't know what options is uh, uh, left, you know, on the table that the ECOWAS guys had to just uh, opt for, you know, military intervention. I don't know uh, what options that he had, you know, available, and that was the best option that he took. But... Let's hope for the best. True. For me, I don't want True. to see any bloodshed it's, because it's, it's, it's going to cost it's, it's Nigeria money. To, now, look at, look at what happened to the aftermath of the Libyan invasion, what Africa has had to struggle and deal with. I we mean, aren't done with that. Hell. And then, good. And then you have Sudan again happening. If we have, then there will be an implosion in Africa, and that would be so bad for our social economic development as a continent. So hopefully these guys are able to apply serious wisdom. I think that's that. Very true.
Let's play this insert uh, from Felix Obi, uh, having an analysis on what's going on in Nigeria. When we come back, the show will continue. We're going to talk about local issues, uh, especially around local government funds uh, in Planto State. The show will continue f- after this uh, insert. Stay here. I think that the president ought to be commended for for making an effort to uh, making clear that crews are not normal, they're not helpful, and they are should not be tolerated on the continent. However, I think that perhaps ECOWAS is not looking at the issue as holistically and as broadly as they should. I think there is an opportunity for the ECOWAS to reassess why crews are occurring in the sub-region, why they appear to enjoy popular support, and why democracy has not translated to economic development and improvement of lives for the people on ECOWAS. I think that when ECOWAS reflects on that, they may quickly realize that there is a profound opportunity for ECOWAS to negotiate with international partners on a new economic compact, a compact that would require member states, as an example, to be democratic, to have term limits for their presidency, to not change their constitution and allow the presidents to run as they in office for an unlimited period of time. And that would be some of the preconditions to enjoy the economic concessions that President Tinubu would have negotiated on behalf of ECOWAS. The reality of it is that up to a few months ago, Niger was touted as a democratic success in West Africa. Niger also needs about, it needs foreign aid for about 40% at least of its budget. That is not a success story. That is not democracy translating to success for uh, the people of Niger. The story is not much different from most countries in the sub-region. Yet, the sub-region is rich in mineral resources. I'll be the first to acknowledge that mineral resources does not automatically translate to wealth. However, the beneficiation from locating the value chain that translates raw materials into input products, the industries that support them is how you create wealth. And I think President Tinubu should lead the conversation with international partners who are invested in the safety and security and prosperity of the region to now match their security assistance with an economic development agenda. So I don't necessarily believe that citizens of the sub-region are advocating for coup, but they just want change because inherent is change is the hope that things might be different. If democracy is not translating to improved quality of life, the status quo becomes unacceptable. If, in especially French West African countries, the economic relationship between the countries and France is unequal and not meeting the aspirations of the people. The leadership of the sub-region has a responsibility to advocate for a better deal. And at this major inflection point, with the state of cruise in West Africa, at this major inflection point in the broader global context where the Transatlantic Alliance is looking to de-risk their 
um, this international global supply chain, President Tinubu has a unique opportunity to advocate for the location of industries in the continent, in Nigeria especially, and the sub-region of course, as part of the transatlantic alliances de-risking of supply chains. This is how you make ECOWAS more attractive to governments. You don't want to coerce membership. EU does not coerce European countries to join the EU. They entice them because they see the benefits in becoming part of the bloc. Yo, we're glad you're still here. The program is Nigeria at Sunset on J101.9 FM here in Jaws. Well, we're still basking in the euphoria of 7th anniversary, Gilbert. Yeah, um, 7th anniversary. I think um, there was something that looked like a communion today around us in the office. Mm. And, um, well, well, the best we can do is just to tell this. It's only those who are a part of it that can relate, yeah. unfortunately or fortunately. Yeah. Well, and today I really uh, enjoy what the managing director, I mean, to have a very humble, mm-hmm. you know, MD, you know, to even stand up, you know, in honor to say thank you for all of I your salute sacrifice, your you know. So mm-hmm. it was really heartwarming, mm-hmm. and I truly felt honored, uh, Comrade Clinton Garuba, uh, the able managing director and CEO here. We have the Management Transition Committee Chairman of Mikang Local Government, uh, Mr. Daniel Komi. He doesn't, the title, he doesn't like the title of Honorable, so I have to uh, make that disclaimer so that you won't uh, think that I'm just you know, saying. Uh, also known as Singapore. Good evening. Thank you very much for coming, sir. It's delightful being here. Thank you, listeners. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know where to start from, but uh, we're, we're going to talk about local government. Uh, I the story that we got is that some local government, you know, have not been paid more. I mean, what did you find on ground? What was the situation that uh, you found on ground when you were appointed to oversee the affairs of your Mikang local government? Well, I think uh, you quickly identified with the people, the, the personnel at the local government. But first, let me join this station uh, in expressing my condolences to the people of Barakinladi. Mm-hmm. And you would note that uh, these crises, these uh, massive, merciless killings have taken place in Riom, Barakinladi, Bokos, Amangu. Mm-hmm. And it's so sad. <clears throat> so that's one of the things that it's uh, occupying or preoccupying the minds of uh, the chairman in those local governments. And we identify with them, we stand with them. And because we feel that uh, an injustice to one mm. is an injustice to all. Mm. So if we don't stand with the chairman in those local governments, one after the other, we may be visited by these hoodlums. Haven't said that. Uh, you ask what I found on ground. Not just Daniel Kumi as a person. The entire seventeen local. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Thank what you. we discovered was that, uh, particularly in the areas of the primary school teachers uh, in Lantang North, for instance, the teachers we are owed, we are being owed three months' salary, apart from 
June and July. We don't want to include June, June and, and July, July. Okay. Because we have to be fair to the to our predecessors because they didn't collect subvention for June and July. But for the months they had collected, three months salaries for no reason were left unpaid. And not that they are wearing funds. Funds came in. But uh, they didn't do the right thing. And it's quite unfortunate. But when you, when you came, did you find the money in the purse of the local government? No, there can't be the money now. They spent the money. That's why they couldn't, they couldn't pay. Lantang, not three months. Lantang, South, three months. Mekang, two months. I have to be very specific about yeah. mine. Mm. March. Uh, and you can understand because of the coincidence. Uh, March, there was election in March. Election. Yeah, so you know where the money must have gone to. Uh, then in May, you also know what happened. The court cases, mm, mm. the movement to Supreme Court, etc., mm. etc. Et so that too was taken. And you can hazard a guess. But the movement of the funds are being tracked. And uh, I think at the appropriate time, those details will be made available. But apart from the teachers, uh, different local governments you know, encountered also different uh, areas in terms of salaries of the main local government uh, employees. For me, Mekang, it was just part of the May uh, salaries for the local government staff mm. that had not been paid, which uh, I have paid. I've also paid June, I've paid July. Oh, you're up to date? Yes, I'm up to date up in to that date. Uh, okay. regard. And most of the local government chairmen are, as a matter of fact, with the exception of uh, Mangu. Okay, because maybe the peculiarity. Yes, because of the, the peculiarity. Yeah. But I think the chairman is working hard. And it's possible that by not too long, Mangu may come up to speed with everybody because the chairman is quite prudent. But apart from that, there were also employees in the local government, what you call the casual workers. Mm. Uh, these are people who, who have volunteered their services, whether they are civil defense, whatever. And uh, they render invaluable services to the various local governments. Mm. And they are supposed to be paid on a monthly basis. In Mekang, for instance, I incurred uh, uh, a casual workforce that had not been paid for 17 months. Wow. Yes, 17 months. And we are not talking about 100. We are not talking about 200. We are not talking about 300. Far more than that in terms of uh, uh, casual workers. And Are there any reasons adduced to that? Well, I think that uh, the only reason I can say is irresponsibility. Because I went to the local government, I've been there for the past four days, and I can speak to you confidently that out of the 17 months areas, I have paid 12 months areas uh, at a go. And I'm still looking at those uh, who have not been paid. Uh, if by any chance anybody has not been paid, he will be paid within next week. I am determined to ensure that no laborer goes home hungry after putting in so much uh, services. And what is even the amount? It's less than 25 million for the 12 months. And I wonder why they have not been uh, paid. So, so you're just saying, because uh, for me now, uh, yeah. listening to this, I'm just seeing this as a sheer act of wickedness. 
Because if the money is there, why will you not pay people? Money will always be there, Ponsa. Why will you not pay people? I didn't manufacture the money. I came in. We got subvention of 700. We got our own share of the 786 billion that was shared in, in May in the month of June. Mm-hmm. We also got our share of the money of 907 billion shared in June in the month of July. And these are not figures that we are not used to in this country. Because I know uh, before we came in, there was a month where the federal allocation, the, the three tiers of government shared $997 billion. That's right, yeah. $839 billion, $804 billion. Figures like that. So this is not a figure that uh, one would say, oh, they have gotten more money. No. I think we are a little bit more responsible and we are determined to ensure that the injustice meted on the casual workers and other workers are addressed. Now, we all, you also understand that we engaged the labor union. Yeah. We went to an agreement and we agreed that we are going to pay two months salaries, uh, even though some of us have exceeded the two months, the two payment months, of yeah. two months salaries. Mm-hmm. And then thereafter, we'll embark on personnel audit because, in truth, there are persons who have passed on, there are persons who had retired that are still hanging on the spreadsheet of mm-hmm. the salaries. And you need to uh, look Knock at this off. with an eagle eye mm-hmm. and ensure that you have data of the correct staff working in the local government. And we agreed with the union that we are going to embark on it as soon as we pay, we, we pay the salaries. So by next week, Secretaries Paribus, they say in economics, mm. will be setting up the committee uh, with the labor unions and then we embark on the personnel audit. I don't expect that that should exceed 21 days. The reports will be wrapped in. And then for we, the 17 local governments? Yes, for the 17 local governments. Okay. Each local government is going to have a team. And so we'll break it down in such a way that we don't unnecessarily delay the rights of people to their legitimate entitlements. Mm-hmm. And as soon as that is done, I can assure you, all the 17 local governments. Yeah, what, what you're saying is building confidence, you know, uh, to me personally, because I know that the allocation for local government is going to uh, increase because of the subsidy. Uh, and the government have said that they want people should enjoy you know the subsidy money what 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 are your ideas you know for your for your local government number one and then for maybe the entire local government how the money can be maximized to the people you know that truly matter and to the people that deserve because i'm sensing a sense of judgment i'm sensing a justice rather uh in all of the 17 uh, management transition committee chairman but what can be done what will you tell to the people that do they so that they have confidence in in all of you as the money is going to come to them what what is uh do them well at this point i think there is no need to make promises we are already uh in charge and people should judge us more by what we are able to deliver not by what we are able to express mm-hmm. on radio and I told you that uh, I returned from Mekang yesterday because we are supposed to have a meeting, mm. uh, even though I couldn't make it because I was tied down, you know, uh, in uh, Mekang. And I hope to return tomorrow morning. Mm. So 
what we're doing is to engage the people mm-hmm. and ensure that challenges presented to us are compassionately addressed and timelessly too because no chairman and it has never been an excuse except if some people deliberately gave excuse no council has uh, inadequate funds to meet the basic needs of its employees and that is what we are demonstrating in our own case we are operating as a team whatever information ideas i have we share with our colleagues mm-hmm. we are on the same page and that's why this payment of salaries for all the 17 local governments for the two months mm. uh, bought for the teachers and the local government we are paid within 48 hours all hours. the 17 yes to all the 17 local governments within 48 hours we all coordinated it and ensured that we achieved the result within the same period and you know the workforce in the local government is in excess of 48000 wow yes yet we are able to pay within 48 hours so we determined to ensure that we bring smiles to the faces of the employees because if you don't have a happy workforce, a motivated workforce, mm. then whatever your plans are, the drivers will not take you to the desired destination. So, the people's welfare first, and then any project we are going to embark upon will engage the communities, and it is only those projects they say are of critical importance to them, shall we embark on. We will not embark on any project out of uh, fancy. Okay. We are not going in that that direction. Well, uh, let's talk about the allegation. There's this, you know, allegation uh, traveling on social media that the governor Caleb Mutfang asks all uh, the local government to uh, remove monies, you know, from uh, your own account uh, to fund some things, especially this very oath-taking ceremony for commissioners and what have you. Would you like to talk to us about that? What is the facts of the story? How correct is that? I don't know. Sometimes you say uh, people are lying. Sometimes you say it's just out of mischief. But I do not think that anybody in his senses would say that. For instance, I am here with you, Ponsa. Yes, sir. I I am also a local government chairman. Mm. I have a commissioner who was part of the inauguration. I can confidently tell you that before and after the inauguration the governor never directly or indirectly suggests to the local government chairman to take out money from local government coffers of course you know that the dpms uh, have just been redeployed Mm -hmm. and these dpms we inherited them so if we did such things, I have a DFS, I have a DPM, I don't sign checks. It means I will give instructions to those DPMs to remove money. And take to whom? So the whole thing is very laughable. Now, let me be very specific on the issue of the swearing-in ceremony. Yeah. For Mikang, for instance, I didn't take one naira from local government funds. But I spent less than one million to host and transport all the people from Mekang who came to witness the inauguration of the commissioner. From Mekang? Okay. Yes. Okay. I, that was a personal uh, commitment 
from me. Most of the chairmen did not even have access to, to their accounts because two or three days uh, to the inauguration, we are all aware that the DPMs were going to, re to be redeployed. Apart from that, the matching order given to us by the governor was that you must ensure that personnel welfare is given topmost priority. And that and that alone must you give priority to before you think of any other project. Now, and we went ahead to ensure that these personnel were paid. And the payment system, we don't do it in the local government. There are consultants that we inherited. And we oh. use the same, yes, we oh. use the same consultants to effect payments. But of course, we put eagle eyes on the spreadsheets mm. and ensured that there was no magumagu. That's all we did. So I do not think that a governor, I would not even reduce myself to the level of asking somebody to give me money. Anybody who knows uh, Governor Mutfa, he, you would see him traveling by road. So if he needs that type of money, it means he'll be flying a private jet. I don't think that is the way this governor, uh, this government is uh, being run. I don't know where this mischief is coming from. So you are saying that the no, governor will not dip his hands in the purse of local government funds? In fact, even, even in the future. Okay. Governor Mutfang that I know would never ever suggest that. Even his body language tell, you know, speaks to you about prudence, about transparency. So if people have documents, for instance, if you have documents on Mekang, why can't you flash the voucher on social media? And hold me to account. Or oh, I'm speaking here. You quote a specific thing that I did. Mm. I have not taken one couple from the coffers of local government for any frivolity. All those celebrations, yes, people are excited to come. I dip hands into my own pocket. And people know who I am. So I, I don't know where this is coming from. The same for most of my colleagues. I would not say 100%. Mm. But I would say most of my colleagues. So I do not know where that is coming from. And at any rate, if any chairman, you know, took any money for ceremony, they should be quoting the amount, the precise amount, and the name of the local government so that we know how to respond to it. The appropriate chairman will respond to it. So please, okay. we are open to public scrutiny, but not scrutiny of lies, not scrutiny of mischief, not scrutiny of irresponsibility. All right. Um, let's revisit the issue of, you know, personnel screening at the level, yeah. like you rightly mentioned earlier. And for me, it brings to question again the place of ghost workers in local governments and even in state governments across the country. Yeah. Why do these things repeatedly come up? Can they be put to an end in such a manner that when, for example, there's a new government in town, there's already a process of accountability and transparency in order not again to allow the new government to have to do a personnel auditing, if that's the correct terminology to use, you know, like you all are about to embark upon right now. And then as a follow-up to it, I know you don't speak for the state government, but the issue of salaries. Yeah. Do you have any intel, any idea as to the level of progress? How well, how soon can civil servants being owed salaries at the state government level can get their salaries? Well, I think that since this, I think it's historic. 
uh, if you take 2015 to date, it's historic because most governors that uh, take over the mantle of leadership, the first thing has always been that they will pay salaries from borrowed funds. Barrister Caleb Mutfan has not paid salaries from borrowed funds yet. Even though there was an application for a facility of 15 billion naira. That's right. I can conveniently and confidently tell you that no single couple using paying salaries thus far is from borrowed funds. And I know he is prepared to go ahead to pay from the subventions uh, that he got. And that also the state government decided to do some form of screening. I would not say the screening was thorough, but it may amaze you that despite the inadequacies in the screening process, because those who have been part of, you know, perpetrating some of those directly or indirectly got involved in the process of screening. Because when you want to do a proper screening, you must decide who and who not to partake. Because if I am a partner in crime and you ask me to go and check the crime, all I would do is to reduce the degree of the crime and you, you clap for me. But unknown to you, it is continuing on a smaller scale and it will continue to, to grow. But with, with, with all the inadequacies, you know, uh, during the screening, the state government, I can tell you, surprisingly was able to save not less than 500 million naira. That's about 1 billion within one month. And so it means that the screening that was done with all its degree of imperfections tells a story that if you do a much thorough work, the wage bill will even go down. I also want to say that in, at the local government level, on individual local government basis, the chairman are having a critical look. For instance, I looked at my, my salary, my teacher's salary spreadsheet, and I discovered that 18 that we are on the spreadsheet had passed on long ago, but their names were still there. So if leadership decides to be responsible, the issue of ghost workers will be a thing of the past. And in Mekang and also the 17 local governments, we are determined to ensure that the issue of uh, ghost workers no longer exists at the third tier level. We are determined to do that. The state is doing theirs, but I can tell you that it will not continue at the third tier level. We are determined to achieve that level of uh, success. All right. Uh, and we also, uh, even after the screening that we are going to do with the labor unions, we will ensure that there is a standing committee that does the screening before the various departments, you know, have a look at the spreadsheet. So I will tell you it will be a 98% situation. All right. Let's beam the searchlight on security yeah. a bit, you know, before we move on. Is this challenge too difficult to surmount, sir? Even though there have been so many efforts, like witnessed, I mean, it's evident that the state gov governor has taken so many steps, the visits and counter-visits, which culminated in the establishment of the operation Hakurinda Misa that we have. 
despite that, you know, these things are still ongoing. How tough a job does the governor have in dealing with insecurity? Well, it's not just about the governor. Because if it happens in my local government, the first person who is responsible is myself. <coughs> and I think intelligence gathering and management is key to addressing uh, security challenges in any community. Now, these people who are coming in are not spirits. They are humans. And the train of attack has remained the same. Perhaps our approach to quelling this crisis has also remained the same. Don't forget that there, there appears to be a lot of infiltration, you know, of the security agencies by the bandits themselves. And so, before they strike, they have very wonderful machinery in intelligence gathering. Otherwise, it is only when the military is no longer at that location that they strike. Now, which requires that we do something much uh, different. You have the hunters, you have the vigilante. It's something that we need to look at seriously. And that's why the cry for state police becomes imperative. If not in, uh, inevitable, it becomes very imperative. And we need to look at it and quickly. If we decide to close ranks, uh, the 17 local governments, and we work as a team that we're trying to do now, and I'm sure we're going to perfect that. Believe you me, we are, cap we are capable of being one another's uh, keeper, and we'll, we'll have some form of approaches that will be such that Anybody who comes in will meet his water law. What's the state of Operation Rainbow? Because the talk was, you know, the, um, there was going to be an effort to resuscitate the Operation Rainbow. Do you have any idea so far, any update? Yeah, you know, security issues are such that uh, you must talk with some degree of caution. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we'll be operating uh, the way I used to criticize. Because anytime the military you know, brought some new Tokano. Mm -hmm. They will make noise about it, them. you know, and demonstrate. Meanwhile, the bandits would bring in sophisticated weapons. I will not talk about how sophisticated their weapons uh, we are. And then they will, you know, launch an attack and they are successful. So, it is true that Operation Rainbow that is, that ought to have gone to a level of, you know, substantially addressing some of this challenge if it was properly funded and uh, refocused has been comatose. But the state government, I am very confident that lots of efforts have been met, not are being met, have been met, and very soon uh, that you will see a stronger Operation Rainbow that will deliver to the people of Plateau the value of the investment in that uh, structure. Well, let's open the phone lines in case you're just tuning. We've been having a chat with the Management Transition uh, Committee Chairman of Mikang Local Government, Mr. Daniel Komi, also known as Singapore, uh, because I mean, he's uh, one of his 
uh, touring mentors, I would say, and I was the late Lee Kuan Yew who transformed Singapore from third wall to first wall. And if you've been to Mikang, I can attest, uh, Gilbert, uh, you've not been you to Mikang. You've that story with me. I've yeah. been to Mikang, by the way. Yeah, I can attest. I've been to you know, Tunkus. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've, I've gone there. I've seen what he has done, you know, for myself, the quality. Not just, you know, big project, but the quality of the project uh, that has been done there. You can join the conversation. We'd love to hear from you. 081-2187-7777. Or you call 90 Five five six 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 nine nine. Don't forget to turn down the volume of your radio, or you turn it off completely, and then you tell us the name and where you are calling from. Give and up. you can drop your comments on Facebook at JFM Live and on Twitter at JFM Just. Just take the first call. Hello and good evening. Thank you for calling. Hello? Thank you. My name is Johanna uh, from Medjugorje. Johanna, thank you for calling. We're listening to you, sir. Yes, I greet my Mr. Chairman. I'm from the Justice Local Government Area. Thank you. Okay, my question to Mr. Chairman, why is it that local government did not reopen? That's my take, sir. That's okay. my question. Okay, thank you. Okay, well, he's going to just uh, hold on. He's going to answer to your uh, question. Just uh, keep following the program. Hello, good evening. Thank you for calling. Sponsor Gilbert and the guests in the house. Good evening. Thank you for calling. We're listening to you. This is Isha Ali from Gia. Thank you, thank you. Go ahead, we're listening. Um, uh, I'm saying kudos to your guests for giving us uh, the up-to-date uh, details on what is going on on the local government. We need transparency in all that is going on. And it's quite commendable for him to enlighten us to share with us what is going on. So we are saying that they should keep on the good work. You know, Plateau State is PDP. PDP is Plateau State. By restoring the glory of the local government, they should be giving us up to date of what is going on. And the issue of uh, recovering all that is for the local government uh, on the past uh, administrations we don't know how far they have gone with that and then lastly um if you are going for that audit we are worried because there are some people that they do not meet up the requirements of those that are supposed to be in the service uh, commission of the local government but they are still there using some people's certificate to get a job to get employed if and the audit is going on, please they should do the thorough audit so that those kind of people should be fished out and give those that are worthy are, are worthy for that position to be there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for calling. Uh, thank you. 081-2187-7777 or you call 090-55-666699. Hello, good evening. Thank you for calling. Hello. Thank you for calling. We're listening to you. Yes, thank you very much. My name is Sadiq Umar. I'm calling from Chichi and Chijongsho. We're listening. Yes, I will comment your guest. He has spoken very, very well. And actually, he has cleared some issues pertaining the allegation of the governor uh, intervening into the post of the local government, which is very, very important. And you see, I will comment your guest. 
like what you have said in, in the issue of local government because we have seen some changes by this kind uh, this transition committee that the governor have made in local government so local government we are going to give them kudos by the changes that we have seen and secondly you want to comment on this issue of security that the government is facing you see the local government chairmen have to be up and doing in terms of the insecurity that we are facing because in the localities that's where the problem is generating if the local government with the traditional leaders in that locality with the regional leaders will sit down and have a random of understanding i don't think the thing is going to be escalated like this but if it happens and the thing is relied on the governor i think the governor cannot be in everywhere in 217 local government so the local government chairman have to use the local uh, policy that the vigilante the hunters that we have let them be equipped and be uh, oriented of how to tackle the issue of insecurity or and how to tackle on attack on the our community that is having in plateau state because peace is number one thing that we need in plateau state if we don't have peace the governor cannot able to exhibit his own uh, development that he is bringing to plateau because the peace is the foundation of every development so we need peace to, to grow thank you very much god bless thank you thank you thank you sadiq thank you for that hello good evening thank you for calling hello uh, Pastor, good evening. thank you for calling or listening please tell us your name and uh, join the conversation you are welcome right on the line thank you for calling we're listening to you back, well done. and if i need me to appreciate the honor of though he's declining but when somebody marries honorability you call him honorable He's allowed. When you do something good, you appreciate him. Excellency, yeah. Well, that's his style. I mean, that's his style. <laughs> well, anyway, the reality. Anyway, the issue is, Pastor, uh, why don't we use people who know this? Look at the flaws he has made in Dukas in less than three months. Oh, you see, you see, get honest Nigeria. He said about issue of contract. It is the people's oriented contract that he will award. They can't go and start bringing because now the people are saying this is what you want. And let me tell you, they are going to protect their product with their blood because it's what they want. So, this is exactly we are talking about governance and good democracy and good governance. So, I appreciate it anyway. Let's see what we go from here and the keep on a second that. And like the other man said, he has reviewed the occupation. A lot of people can speculate. I mean that no fan cannot say, bring the local government money for the national commission. It cannot be. There are things you can, you know, work up. And so thank God the man behind the house. I've even said the truth that he never says so. So we should talk. Yes, we need criticism. But let our criticism be constructive. Not to bring some pathological criticism against the government. But I know. He has a focus. Let's not be praying for him. This is the type of person we pray for him. You can't be the devil and say you should pray for him. We don't pray for them. Because Muslim is a God-fearing person. God-fearing person poses. You will know it by his action. Thank you. Thank you. Gilbert, please uh, take us through Facebook, please. Dimas Bala says, the killers know that the highest we can do is to talk and that's all. We need to go beyond talking and addressing insecurity and technology is the way to go in fighting insecurity. Felkuka Gowan says, it's a surprise to hunt a thief as a security blowing siren. Is that a sign of alert? 
El Rufai has seen the other parts of the coin. This is not Buhari's regime. That they will do anything they like without caution again. Let him go and rest, please. Albert Dagza says these killers on the plateau are indeed senseless and should be brought to a halt by all means possible. My heart is with the people of Haipang. Good evening. Chester Phillips says, I want to commiserate with the people of Mangu and Hepan for the gruesome, over the gruesome killing of our brothers and sisters. May God continue to guide and protect us from these enemies of our state in Jesus' name. Hapsin Manasseh says, I suggest there should be a collaborative effort between citizens and the security agents in fighting these marauders by giving the security useful information. Don Z says, um, Plateau should rise up and secure the state because government has failed us. I sympathize with those who lost their lives. Okay, their loved ones. May God give us peace in Nigeria. Makwal Makwal says, Pertaining the killings on the plateau, we need a Gideon like, okay, a Gideon and his army on the plateau. God bless plateau. Choji John says, It's really pathetic to see our people slaughtered day in, day out on the plateau. I think all the plateau tribes should bring our heads together and fight the common enemy. Anna Dagala Olasege says, JFM is indeed a sad one. Okay, good evening, JFM. It's indeed a sad one on the plateau. Again, people being killed and tendered, rendered homeless. It's so alarming. May the souls of the faithful departed rest in peace. The security agencies and government should come together and find a lasting solution. Comrade Dawus says, Mr. President should not be taken away by the issue in Nigeria Republic and forget to give Nigerians the dividends of democracy. The effort of the military in Mangu local government and other parts of Plateau is not enough. They should redouble their efforts to protect lives and property. Ambassador Joachim Dung says, Why can't the oppression Hakorinda Misa and Mangu move to Fas and Mahanga in Barkinladi to fish out these killers? May the souls of those killed in Hepang and Mangu rest in peace. Sami Jatou says, If you look at the opposition PDP did in the last eight years, it's an opposition of facts and maturity, but right now the opposition being carried out by the APC is so shallow and needs some step up. Keep it up, Mr. Chairman. Jang Dagui John says, um, Pertaining these killings on the plateau, it's no more hiding that we don't know the enemies. They should just tell the public this is the reason why we are doing it. It's as simple as that. Ponsak? Yeah, well, let's uh, come back to the guests. Or maybe after this, let's squeeze in one more phone call. I think we can. And then the guests, I can see he's uh, taking notes of what... Hello? Uh, hello, good evening. Good evening. Thank you. From it, Baba. Go ahead. Thanks for calling, sir. I'm an ardent listener of this program. It's my first time calling. Oh, thank you. We're happy that you called today. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, the uh, thank you. I want to congr- um I want to greet your um, your guests yes. in the studio. Yes. I want to ask if we are running um um if democratic local government chairman are the ones in the office for transition chairman chairman. And then and then I will want to see what he was telling us about replicating himself in the new uh, the new commission, the new commissioners. Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you very much, thank you. Yeah, yeah. 
Go yeah. ahead. Uh, First, I would I would just quickly answer the last question that uh, the, the guest uh, called to say, whether it's elected local government chairman or transition. It's transition local government chairman that are in place, not our predecessor. I don't want to go into that debate uh, because we have discussed it over and over and over on this platform. Uh, you know that... Uh, the former local government chairman had challenges with the House of Assembly. That House of Assembly was not a PDP House of Assembly. Yeah. It was an APC House of Assembly dealing with an APC set of local government chairmen. So I think you can ask the, <laughs> you can get further details from uh, the APC local government, uh, APC members of the House of Assembly. Yeah. But let me also say, that at the moment, the local government has no autonomy. And for so long as we do not have autonomy, we will continue to suffer this. Yes, Section 7 sub 1 gives us, you know, the guarantee that we will exist by... Autonomous. Yeah, auton uh, by democratically elected process. Yeah. But if you take a look at Nigeria today, 18 states are being governed by caretaker chairman, ma uh, chairman, management committee chairman, and some other funny nomenclatures ascribed to leaders at the total level. And it is so because, for instance, in this state, the chairman did not even bother to ensure that the bill passed by the National Assembly was uh, upheld by the Plateau State House of Assembly. Sometimes it's not enough to talk about autonomy because when you are in a position of leadership, you must demonstrate your passion for democracy. When we are chairman, when we are elected local government chairman, we ensured that all the bills passed by the National Assembly, you know, seeking concurrence by the state assemblies, we are always passed in favor of uh, local go government autonomy. This set of chairmen didn't. I hope I have answered your question correctly. I also want to thank the man who asks, why has the local government not been open? Well, you know the challenges we, we face. Mm. The, uh, we are told that the CP in Plato generated a report. The former CP. Yes, the yes, former the CP, report, yes. Generated a report you know, to the Inspector General of Police on the basis of which the local government secretariats were said to have been sealed for security purposes. But I want to assure you that th that is being addressed and very soon it will be a thing of the past. I don't want to tell you definitively that tomorrow or, or Monday it will be open. But we are not uh, having any challenges in operating within our environment. I was in Mekang for four days. So I know exactly what I'm talking uh, about. I also want to respond to the beautiful suggestion made by one of our callers that the local governments have a responsibility to ensure that they strengthen the capacity of the hunters and the vigilantes as the part of the security architecture to cop this increasing wave of uh, uh, massive killing of our people. I want to assure uh, the caller that even though this is a security issue, we, those of us, those local governments that are not affected 
by the crisis feel even more affected because whatever happens to one local government in Plateau affects the entire local governments and we are closing ranks to ensure that we provide the type of support that will resist this carnage on the Plateau. Uh, I, I want to stop at that. I don't want to say more than that because most times when these killers come to attack us, they attack us quietly. And so we also must resist them quietly. Lastly, I want to say this, uh, Ponsak. Mm. There is also something very terrible that we have discovered. Most of the local governments have discovered that uh, the past local governments, you know, took huge loans from various commercial banks, and these loans we are are still there. So, increasing the misery. Uh, in terms of the finance, uh, financial health yeah. of the council. But we, we're going to address that. And then the most, the, the most phony aspect of it is that in the auctioning of vehicles, in my local government, for instance, vehicles that had not been paid for were auctioned. So somebody supplied vehicles, you have not paid for that vehicle, but you went thank ahead you. to auction. Thank, thank I don't know much. how to describe this. Thank you very much. This is a much we'll take. Uh, the Alice now do have a good evening. Stay tuned to, uh, for the news top of the hour, 6 o'clock by now. Thank you for listening to JFM Podcast. Podcast.